The Video Insiders is the show that makes sense of all that is happening in the world of online video, as seen through the eyes of a second-generation Kodak nerd and a marketing guy who knows what iframes and macro blocks are. And here are your hosts, Mark Donegan and Dror Gill. Hello, everybody, and welcome to another episode of The Video Insiders. Hello, Mark. Hey, Dror. Hi, how are you doing? Yeah, I'm doing great, and I'm so excited to uh, be doing another interview. We've got an awesome guest. Yeah, sure. So who do we have with us today? We have Benjamin Nowak, and uh, Benjamin is the CEO of, uh, of a company that has developed a product, and this is a little bit uh, off you know, off the path of uh, kind of what we normally talk about, although it's not too far. We had Live View on recently, um, but his product is called Cinemaker, and uh, I'm going to let him tell us all about it. Welcome, Benjamin. Welcome to the Video Insiders. Happy to be here, guys. Thank you so much. Why don't we, um, you know, start just uh, tell us tell us the quick story of Cinemaker. How, how'd you come up with the idea? And of course, tell us what Cinemaker is. <laughs> Yeah, certainly. So, um, Cinemaker uh, at its at its core is a live video production platform that runs on an iPad. Um, it is has a built in uh, media engine. Um, it has powerful recording and live streaming capabilities, um, and just a, a super easy platform to enhance uh, a live stream or do multi camera recording and editing. Um, we got started basically, uh, you can say out of the garage, uh, no, with some R and D technology, we were fooling around with, um, trying to sync the internal clocks of iOS devices. Um, we had a bright idea to build a audio app and to allow you to play your music on all your friends' phones nearby, uh, you know, making it louder. And that was, uh, what we called an expensive experiment that led us to, uh, to Cinemaker and led us to filing a lot of IP and um, building a lot of software. Tell us a bit about how you uh, how you built the app. Did you build it yourself? Did you uh, go on and hire a team? Was it subcontract? Did you raise money? Was it kind of a bootstrap? How, how did you actually uh, start this venture? Sure. Well, I have been building software my entire professional career. So was fortunate to have a trusted uh, team of engineers and um, would launch this business out of a former business and um, that built mobile apps and web solutions for other companies. And we took a couple people on the bench and just kind of put them to work. So um, this was my business for the past 10 years, selling these solutions. Uh, two years ago, I got out of that business and have gone focused exclusively on Cinemaker and um, just and now our, the Cinemaker engineering team is is close to 20. Amazing. And you're, you're doing that all here in the U.S. or is your team offshore? Our team is in Ukraine. I've had okay. a, a lot of talent there. Group for a long time. Uh, yeah, they're like family and uh, tons of engineering talent. We um, are located in a city. It's the second largest city that has, it's the biggest university town. So within two miles of our offices, we've got six different technical universities. So um, wonderful recruiting, really. Okay. Yeah. Awesome. Awesome. So why don't you give us an overview of the key features of Cinemaker? Sure. Sure. So 
we worked hard to build an extremely powerful platform running exclusively off of an iPad with no required external hardware. Um, so this system allows you to connect up to uh, four video sources and eight audio sources, uh, and that's actually about to expand. It allows you to live preview your cameras, remote control um, to a certain degree. If you happen to be using iPhones as cameras, you have full-blown remote control. Um, we have uh, a built-in media engine that has uh, still and animated alpha channel graphics, allows you to drop in movie clips, audio clips, has chroma key capabilities. Uh, we are a... You know, fundamentally, we're multi-camera recording and multi-camera live streaming. So it's very easy to uh, record. Um, when we do a recording or live stream, we're always saving out all the source media and any of your live edit metadata decisions. Um, so you can always go back. Uh, we have a built-in, what we call a live editor, which because we archive all the source media and all of our productions, you immediately have access to do uh, a real-time edit, just as if it were live, uh, picking your camera angles, turning media elements on and off, and so forth. We um, worked hard to make it easy to transfer our project files into professional tools like Adobe Premiere, Apple's Final Cut Pro, um, and others um, by exporting not only all of the media, um, source media, all in sync, um, but we build a uh, FCP XML file and build the timeline for the user. So their first cut is already completed based on whatever their live cut was. So we're capturing all the edit decisions um, during a live cut and then passing that into these tools. So. When you open up our projects, you not only have your source media and multicam format all in sync, but again, your timeline's built with your camera decisions, any media objects you used in your production, already in your media bin, ready to, um, to tweak. And uh, so while we have these um, really powerful live streaming capabilities, we, we worked hard in the whole production automation and um, a, to allow users to use live production, you know, techniques to get their their content in and start editing and save time. There's a growing number of content creators that are moving to um, to live streaming just for live workflows, and then we've got yeah. users that are again they're not streaming, but they're doing a recording. They may have a TD doing switching, and you know, if they did all their pre-production of their media, they can be done after the recording. And Amazing. the beauty of our system is you can um, tweak your live edit, if you will. So in our editor, you can go in and uh, very simply change camera angles, overwrite graphics decisions. So you can, if you live edit an hour show, uh, you can still go back and re-live edit a couple minutes here. Um, or you can pull the whole thing into a traditional editor, which uh, a lot of people are doing. Most live streamers today are go back and edit their videos and posts just to you know cut out dead zones and where they lose audience. Sure. So it's uh, we tried to make that workflow easier for them. Yeah, it's really the, the creating a workflow that that works easily for the creators. 
um, is really a big advantage. And it seems that you thought uh, about uh, every last detail in taking those uh, projects and metadata and everything you record live and making that compatible with uh, the tools that they already use uh, for offline uh, editing so they can complete uh, the work there. I think that that's uh, that's very impressive. Thank you. Uh, so, so basically, if you look at at the product, you have uh, you have an iPad and a bunch of iPhones, and this is a live broadcast studio. So actually, you can take um, that equipment anywhere. You can put it in a backpack and just lay it laid out on a few tripods, and and there you are with a live broadcast studio everywhere. So and 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 that's really amazing to me. I mean, I've been using the iPad for some media production, you know, doing uh, GarageBand and iMovie and simple things like that. But I never thought that there could be an app which is really like a, a replacement for a full uh, a TV studio uh, right there where the iPhones uh, replace the cameras. So actually, uh, when, when you look at, at the users and, and the way they use the product, is it typically um, stationary or mobile? So do they just uh, lay out um, a few old iPhones in their garage or or, um, or wherever they they record their uh, their shows and they and they stay there or they just pack it up and go and do uh, um, broadcast from uh, from the street, from live events or from uh, conferences or, or whatever. What's the typical um, uh, usage model for for the product? We are, you know, very uniquely, and I miss that, is we're, we're a super agile um, and very portable solution, more so than anything else, especially if you're just using an iPhone um, as a camera, not using traditional you know, gear. You know, the, the pros are using them in, in more studio environments because what we're finding is that this is not a tool for uh, just kind of ad hoc productions. There's, it, it really is production. When you add a second camera, and you need to mix audio. Um, you're you don't have any any post, and um, our our regular users treat it like regular production. So you get studios, and even if they're moving, their studios are portable. They're still setting up more of a, a traditional type environment. Yeah, because it does take some time to set up those cameras and uh, and decide on the angles and connect them to the iPad and kind of set up the studio. It's not that you go out with, with one camera and start shooting uh, somewhere. It's more right. of a pre-planned um, uh, event. Exactly. You know, <laughs> are you seeing, is there a need to go out and buy uh, these expensive DSLRs or, you know, is it easier and just really as good and effective to just use iPhones? It's a, a great uh, question. It really depends on the use case. Uh, I think for for many, many, and the majority of use cases, iPhones work incredibly well. If you're doing an event or at an auditorium, um, you need a good lens, and it's hard to um, get a good light-sensitive lens that's going to attach to an iPhone. So um, that's when we recommend using a more a DSLR or a pro camera. The um, but the the quality on the iPhones, the light sensitivity, they really it's, it's through the roof and, and better than a lot of traditional DSLRs that are five, you know, seven years old. Yeah. And you're using Wi-Fi then to connect the device to the iPad? We connect via Wi-Fi or via wired Ethernet. And um, for for many use cases where you're in crowds and there's a good bit of RF interference, sending four HD signals through the air doesn't work as well. 
So, um, you, and yeah, cases, I would imagine that. <laughs> in those cases, we uh, we recommend a, a gigabit Ethernet network, and it's really straightforward. It's a it's a plug and play type setup. The iPhones recognize the Ethernet and start communicating over that, and um, that's what we recommend for thousand percent reliability. But if you yeah uh, yeah wired is always yeah better. <laughs> if you ask any professional they yeah and there's always so the iPhones connect to some sort of a lightning to Ethernet adapter yes 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 so uh, there's a couple ways to do it but uh, they sell lightning Ethernet adapters plug it into a, a switch and you're off to the races okay I see um, yeah uh, when I uh, did some renovations in my house uh, mm-hmm. a few years back. Uh, I was working as a consultant with a wireless company, and uh, I asked them, should I even put uh, Ethernet, you know, mm-hmm. uh, RJ45 through the through the walls, or, you know, can, can I just, uh, you know, rely on wireless? And they said, well, we're, we work in this business for several years. Um, put, put the wires in. Be on the safe side. You know, you can never know what type of interference you get. Um, in specific parts of the house. So it's better that you have a good infrastructure. Um, Absolutely. And now I see that, you know, the more and more neighbors I have with Wi-Fi networks, I start getting uh, more interference on, on my Wi-Fi and, and the Ethernet is uh, is always reliable. So uh, it's tough. We really understand why you would uh, recommend that to your users. Um, an- another interesting issue for me is, is uh, after... Um, the production side uh, is done, and this does enable live broadcast. Uh, do you have any insights into which platforms your users um, are, are using to actually distribute the content uh, live? Oh yeah, um, we we've got some broad analytics. I you know primarily our users are on Facebook and YouTube. Um, there's a small growing number of Twitch users. We don't have a ton of gamers on our platform. Um, and then there's a few exceptions, the livestream.com, uh, church TV streaming, I forget the name. Um, but the, we've done, we're pre-integrated into YouTube Live and Facebook Live and have pretty tight integration um, to send the groups and control privacy and latency. Um, we do pretty deep integration. So uh, that's where most of our users go. Most of our users are... Um, you know, beginners to prosumers, if you will, and with a few exceptions and yes. actual broadcasters that are using it for uh, small engagements. Yeah. And and so, uh, you know, for Facebook and YouTube, we're talking about Facebook Live and U- YouTube Live, or again, are they producing offline and then they're just yeah. uploading videos? Yeah, so um, I would say the... That's a good question. We're probably 60-40 of creating an offline and then uploading um, with with mm. close to 40% of our users uh, going live. Going live, yeah, yeah. I, I, you know, I know that the platforms uh, from a sort of a discovery perspective and the way their algorithms work, they really favor that. You know, that's what yes. they want you to do, um, go live. But, of course, they like video too, so uploading a file is 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 effective yeah 
as you were building this, I think some of our listeners would be uh, certainly intellectually curious, and maybe there's some others who are also, you know, involved in building products and and would like some insights. You know, what what challenges did you guys run into that, uh, you know, in terms of handling, uh, you've got multiple inputs, right? So are you having to transcode? I mean, now the iPhone is, is really HEVC, Kodak. And yet, you know, still 90% or, you know, uh, certainly more than 80% of content that's distributed is H.264. Um, You have different versions of the iPad. I suppose there's scenarios where if someone hasn't updated their, their iOS or if they're running an older iPad and you didn't tell us, you know, what the limits are there, I assume you probably need like a new modern iPad, right? To we run actually this. supported an um, iPad Air 2, which is about a little over five years old now. Wow. Um, yeah, yeah. My wife has one of those. It's, nice it's aging. <laughs> it's, they actually still use one at home. Yeah. The only, uh, d- the transitions are a little slow. That's the only noticeable difference with Otherwise, it works great. It works well. But so going going back to my question, so, you know, can you share some uh, some some insights, some technical challenges? You know, did you run into anything that you had to solve? And, you know, it, it, it proved to be a really thorny challenge, but you solved it, you know, in terms of all these yeah, Kodak, you know, compatibilities and transcoding and that sort of thing. Yeah, you've, you've you've almost answered my question for me, but okay, <laughs> there uh, and, and we actually touched on this before the recording about uh, the various different audio uh, um, rates. But essentially, we have um, our first big challenge was was synchronization, and that was we we worked real hard to get that um, to go. And once we had that in place, it became the foundation to start putting everything else together. Uh, before we uh, built our live tool, we, we tested it with um, syncing the clocks just to start the recording at the same time and then pulling media around. Um, mm-hmm. Once we solve that, the, the, the largest problem is really supporting, as you mentioned, the variety of um, software environments, hardware environments. Uh, every, you know, they, one iPad uses a different uh, chipset than another that operates yep. on a different frequency and causes yep. something. So um, supporting the various audio modes, changing and normalizing audio and video to, to kind of work seamlessly and transparently for the user. Um, so are you having to transcode video though? Because I oh, am yeah. thinking that the oh, the not. X and the XS and all the new iPhones, for example, are are HEVC, I'll say native. Yeah. You know, although they support H two six four, of course, but you know, they're native. So we, are we, you transcoding to H uh, to, from HEVC to H two six four, you know, for the editing process? Or? No, we, we keep the native format um okay. depending upon what the device supports. Okay. And can support a mix of those. So you may have uh, one video file in H.264, one two sixty five. We're obviously yeah. are encoding it when we send it out um, the final stream. But um, but yeah, we um, we try to utilize uh, as much as possible all of the um, available capabilities on the on the platform. As Apple introduces something new, we'll adopt it. So. H265 um, was a a great benefit for us early on. Yeah. For the devices. I think it's 
iPhone seven newer. But yeah, exactly. Yeah, it's it's roughly iPhone seven on. I, I think it's it's still debatable whether the iPhone six S um, supports HEVC. I think it's only for the FaceTime camera. Uh, uh, but in uh, anyway, yeah, yeah. But uh, geeky yeah, stuff. We, yeah, uh, exactly. Yeah, it, it's really just you know trying to live in a heterogeneous environment. Um, and, and the sync goes more than just the clocks on the phones. We um, we evolved four or five different algorithms over the years um, to be able to sync these disparate heterogeneous devices. So um, yeah. different methods, and then dealing with all the formats, I guess. Um, outside of that. Um, it's it's network optimization and engineering. Do you plan to expand into the Android uh, platform, or uh, that's a great are, question? Are you staying with iPhones? We um we we invested a good bit of time in the Android platform and kind of shelved that project a while back and um, went and primarily because of the challenges I just spoke of. We have on iOS. They're yeah. they're manifold. Great. Too much fragmentation there. Oh, it's it's very difficult to, between the various OS versions. And again, um, the hardware manufacturers, um, you know, there's even a greater disparity in the each configuration. So uh, we, we've had an, a lot of call for it. Um, we did end up evolving a two camera consumer app that runs on an Android smartphone that we will probably release um, before the end of the year. And I'm not convinced that I'll release it under the Cinemaker brand until we get it to the same reliability that we have today on iOS. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that makes sense. It's, uh, but there's, there's definitely a demand for it. And um, we haven't seen anyone else who's, who's built something meaningful yet. Yeah. So what's on the roadmap for Cinemaker? Uh Good question. The roadmap is never ending. Um, <laughs> I, you know, generally speaking, uh, we are starting to build in some interactive authoring capabilities, and we believe that interactivity um, in live productions are going to become increasingly valuable. We also have. Um, what does that mean exactly? Describe yeah, I think that. that's uh, anything as simple as a Facebook poll which uh, will be the first thing we launch in a couple of weeks to allow you to, ah, excuse me, allow you to easily deploy a poll uh, all the way to, you know, accepting micropayments, um, soliciting data from the users, you know, in its, in its basic format. When you get um, more robust with it, it's, it's, you know, electronic courseware and computer-based learning, um, and you can really get robust um, courseware that wow. works in with the video content and is timed to it or delivered kind of on on trigger. It seems like you could have a massive market, maybe you already do, in the education space. You know, I'm thinking of like universities and where in the classroom you've got a professor and then you've got output from a computer and, you know, maybe you have another camera and, you know, you have someone just sitting there in the class with an iPad. Right. Absolutely. That, no, we we are yeah. having great success, and even down in the grade schools, uh, where yeah. we've got a, a trial in a very large school district, um, where their kids are doing their morning announcements on video with Cinemaker, and yeah. um, 
but but you know digital media literacy is uh, is real important. Uh, it, and then and that's not what you mentioned, but um, but the learning use case it, it's the number one reason people go to YouTube is is to learn something. So educators and anyone else with any skills are um, really it's a, it's a great tool to empower them. You know the other thing we're working on that we think is um, is very important is uh, just production automation as a whole. Today we're I mentioned we're primarily a live production tool that gives you a lot of capabilities to do non-live type production. We feel there's a lot of opportunity in automation um, by connecting, networking the cameras, automating the media management, synchronization, and adopting you know faster uh, workflows than than how things are done today. Uh, editing and, and shooting has been done the same way for a long time. Um, and we're trying to take a more integrated view to it, and you'll see more tools that will allow um, Cinemaker to support uh, much, many more use cases to enhance the speed of production. Well, thank you, Benjamin, for joining us. Uh, I wish you the best as I know you're um, in, in kind of the emerging phase of growing your market. And it seems like this product, you know, is really, really going to do well. Uh, yeah, yeah. Thank you. Thank I'm, you. I'm sure it will. It's really an amazing product. And uh, again, I would like to thank you for joining us and uh, wish you all the success uh, with this amazing app. Yeah, thank you, gentlemen. Appreciate the kind words and uh, thank you for the time today. So have a great day, everyone. Thank you again for listening. Thank you very much. Thank you for listening to the Video Insiders Podcast, a production of Beamer Limited. To begin using Beamer's Codex today, go to beamer.com forward slash free to receive up to 100 hours of no-cost HEVC and H264 transcoding every month.